And so we mentioned that. And this week I want to talk about a reality, and that is this. A reality that sometimes we're kind of like a Barney Fife on. And that is we're in a spiritual war. Most of the time, we don't want to think about that. We're kind of like Barney Fife. We just kind of want to go about, and the enemy is all, all the time on the attack, and we don't like to think about that. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been caught by surprise? Have you ever been caught by this surprise? I know we all have. I've had times where we've said, oh my goodness, that surprised me, or wow, that was just a really surprise they did that. In fact, just this weekend, unfortunately, in Texas, there was another school shooting. Ten people gunned down. And the Wall Street Journal had a headline, and it said, like, said this, Texas school shooting suspects showed few red flags. In other words, they were surprised that this young man committed such a heinous crime. And yet so many times, I think, in the church, we, we oftentimes are surprised that there's spiritual warfare going on. We've been uh, in Fort Wayne the last couple of weeks, uh, weekends, and, and, and uh, my father-in-law was a West Point graduate, so there's all sorts of army, army, army stuff all over the place, and, um, and, and just all sorts of stuff. <laughs> uh, I keep finding guns, and I keep finding uh, all sorts of memorabilia, and uh, things like that. And I've never been in the army. Uh, my nephew's getting ready to go into the Air Force in a few weeks, but I've never personally served in the army. But I know this and many of you here have been in the army, I know that one thing in the army that they want to rely on is the element of surprise. Army generals want to rely on the element of surprise. In fact, when you read a lot of stories of warfare in the Bible, you read about the Jews using the element of surprise. There were a lot of times they would circle around to the back of the enemy, if you read the Old Testament. Or a lot of times they would break into two parts and attack from both sides. Or sometimes they would, they would attack in the middle of the night. And, and the reality is, if you're going to be a good soldier, if you're going to be a good general, you have that element of surprise you want. And unfortunately, though, a lot of Christians are really surprised that we're in a spiritual warfare. Listen, Satan doesn't want you to believe that we're in a spiritual war. All right, he's a good general. In, in that right. He doesn't want you to believe that we're in a spiritual war. He doesn't want you to understand anything about him. He, he doesn't want you to listen to him. He, 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 he wants you to listen to him. He wants you to buy into his schemes. He wants to use the element of surprise on you. And so this morning, and honestly, I really don't want to preach this sermon. I honestly don't want to preach this sermon this morning. But I think it's important that we talk about it because you and I need to know the enemy. You and I need to understand what the enemy is up to. You and I need to look at who this enemy is and what he does. And honestly, like I said, I really don't want to preach this sermon, but I think we need to know it. I really don't like talking about the enemy. I really don't care to talk about him at all, but we need to know what he's up to. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. That's the New Testament, and that's those little books there. And uh, like I told you a long time ago, just remember Georgia Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, that might help you find it. But we're going to be talking about the enemy. Now, when I talk to you about Satan, when I say the word Satan, what comes to mind? For a lot of people, it's a red devil, right, with a pitchfork and a little fork tail. A lot of people think of them that way. Maybe you, when you think of Satan, you think of a real cunning individual. Or, or, you, or, or the idea of Satan is the idea of evil personified in, the, in this world. What do you think of when you think about Satan? But the reality is, we are in a spiritual war. And so Paul is talking to believers. And he brings up this reality to them. And I want to jump in here where he says in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, finally, he's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. Now, here's our enemy. This is our enemy. He says, so you can be standing against the tactics of the devil. The devil is our enemy. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't believe he really is the enemy. George Barna, who uh, is a Christian pollster, and he, he does all sorts of polls across the nation to kind of judge the religious temperature of the nation. Uh, in one of his books, he talks about taking a poll of people and about what they thought about Satan. And, and, and here, here's, what, here's what he wrote. The devil or Satan, here's, here's how most people in the polls he found said this about Satan. The devil or Satan is not a living being, but a symbol of evil. Then he asked that segment of his survey respondents who identified themselves as born-again Christians, do you strongly agree, agree somewhat, disagree somewhat, or disagree strongly with that statement? So here was the statement again. The devil or Satan is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil. And again, so he asked Warnakrian Christians, do you strongly agree, somewhat strongly agree, uh, somewhat degree, disagree, disagree strongly? The born again Christians, people said, I've received Christ as my Savior. 32% strongly agreed that Satan is not a living being, but simply a symbol. One third. 11% somewhat agreed with that. 5% said they didn't know. So the total responding, almost half, 48%, either agreed that Satan is only a symbol or they simply did not know. Almost half of believers. Now, honestly, that's a win for Satan. That's a win for him. That means that's telling him that he's doing his job. That, that, that we somehow really don't believe he's real. But in order for us to win the battle, and we're talking about this whole issue of sin, and, and again, we've got a lot to go. This is kind of a springboard for the next several weeks. For us to really win the battle, we need to understand the enemy. And, and here's what Paul said. If you go back to verse 7, he says, I want you to put on the full armor of God so that you, and he's talking to Christ followers, can stand against the tactics of the devil. Now, who is the devil? Well, first of all, let me just give you a few things, and I'm sure you know it. But first of all, the devil is a creature. He is not a personification. We looked at this a few weeks ago, Ezekiel chapter 28. We looked at it last week, and, and, we, and here's what the Bible says. From the day you were created, you were blameless in your ways until wickedness were found, was found in you. But notice what he says. From the day you were what? Created. Satan is not a personification of evil. He is a creature. He is a creature. He's also not just a creature. He is an angel. God created him as an angel. He was the foremost angel in heaven when he was created. And let me just tell you about, spirit, uh, about angels real quickly. They are spiritual beings. We know they can move from place to place extremely fast. They're highly intelligent. In fact, they're more intelligent than we are. However, remember this. They have limited knowledge. Angels are not like God. They do not have all knowledge. Angels, even though they're very powerful, are not all powerful like God because they are created beings. All right? They are not all knowing. They are not all powerful. And, and things, even though they're more powerful than us, even though they're more intelligent than us, even though they're able to go certainly further in different places than we can, they are still creatures. So just remember that about Satan. Satan is a creature. Satan is an angel, but he is not all powerful. He is not all-knowing. He is still limited in the fact that he is a creature. In fact, when Satan wanted to do things in Scripture, he had to get God's permission. 
He wanted to afflict Job, and he had to ask God for permission to, to test Job. And we know this, because I want you to remember this. Even though we're going to talk about the enemy, his doom is sure. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 says that he will ultimately be cast into hell. So Satan's doom is sure. So just remember that. His doom is already sealed. It was sealed on that cross. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, it sealed his doom, okay? But let me tell you something else about him. For the sake, Ezekiel 28, and what we looked at last week, for the sake, for your heart became proud because of your beauty. Remember, he was this incredibly beautiful angel, and for the sake of your splendor, you were corrupted, your wisdom, so I threw you down to the earth, and I made you a spectacle before kings. One thing I want you to remember about him, that sin originated in Satan. He, he, he's the beginning of it. All right. Now again, sin is not a thing. It wasn't created by God. It is a rebellion against God. Angels had free will just like we have free will. And Satan chose at some point, we don't know how many, it could have been millions of years after he was created, it could have been thousands, it could have been hundreds, it could have been days. I don't know. But at some point, he said, I'm going to be like God. And at that point, sin, which is basically a void, emptiness, set up in his heart. And sin originated with Satan. Now, so just remember, he's a creature, he's an angel, sin originated with him. That's who he is. What does he do? Well, let me show you what he does. He slanders. When you go to the text, Ephesians 6, 11, here's what Paul says. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. Now, we know him by all sorts of names, but that word devil that, that Paul used there is the Greek word diabolos. It occurs about 35 times in Scripture, and it, it literally means to slander. Basically, it means to give a false report, or with malice, to give a false report designed to injure. What Satan does, one of his biggest weapons, is he is an accuser of the believer. And what he constantly tries to do is slander people, and, and to give false reports of people. You know... One thing I've, I've learned in our culture, and maybe you've noticed it too, used to be in America, you were innocent until proven guilty. Nowadays, I'm afraid you're guilty until proven innocent. In fact, today, it, it, it's just if, if as a charge is brought against you, people like you're guilty. Even though that charge may be proven false, people already make their decision. Many years ago, Clarence Thomas was going to, uh, many of y'all may remember this in the 80s, he was up for nomination to the Supreme Court. And there were some charges brought against him. And, and, and here was what the paper said. Given the seriousness of the allegations, we should stop his confirmation. It wasn't whether they were true or not, it was how serious they are. And you hear that today. Well, this is a very serious accusation, and so we shouldn't put them in this position, or we shouldn't nominate them to that position. Again, we should investigate all that and see if the allegations are true. Because we live in a world today, you can say anything about anybody. But that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to slander people. He wants to destroy people. That's how he operates. Now, again, Satan is a creature. He is an angel. Sin originated with him. One of his tactics is to slander. But I want you to remember this. He does have limited power. Just like all angels, he does have limited power. Go to verse 12 real quick in our passage. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. 
Now, Satan is called by a lot of names in Scripture. One, he's called Beelzebub, which literally means the chief of demons. He's called that in Luke chapter 11. He's also called the ruler of this world by Jesus, John 12, 31. He is called by Paul, the God, small g, of this age. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul calls him the prince of the power of the air. In Revelation 12, 9, we, we read that he deceives the whole world. In Ephesians 6, 12, as we see in our text here, he resides in the air, world powers, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Now, Satan exercises power, but it's a limited power. But he is a very, very powerful creature. I remember years ago, there was a famous TV evangelist that had a big fall from grace. His name was Robert Tilton. And one of the clips that was going around about Robert Tilton was he was like, get out of here, Satan. He's on his desk, crawling up on his desk, beating paper, saying, get out of here, Satan. Get out of here, Satan. Let me tell you something. Uh, you need to be careful. He's a very, very powerful being. A very, very powerful being. You can't just swat him away. Satan's not scared of humans. But he certainly is scared when you invoke the power of Christ. He can't fight against that. But he is not a toy to be messed with. In fact, in Jude chapter 9, let me just show you this text. Because I think in culture today, we've kind of dismissed Satan. And people are like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever, just, you know, he, no big deal. But look at this, in Jude verse 1, chapter 1, verse 9. Yet Michael the archangel, when he was disputing with the devil in a debate about Moses' body, did not dare bring an abusive condemnation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, if Michael, one of the most powerful angels, did not decide to take on Satan one-on-one, -on -one, but instead said, the Lord deal with you, then we need to let God deal with him. Okay? Don't think that you have the power to stand against him on your own, because you don't. That's why Paul says, put on the full armor of God. That's why in verse 10, if you look back, Paul says, strengthen yourself in the Lord by his vast strength. He, he starts that you, you and I have to be rooted in the Lord. Because let me tell you about Satan. Here's another thing. He has an army. He has an army. Look at verse 11. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers. But against rulers. Verse 12, sorry. And, and basically rulers is reference to supernatural powers. And a lot of, a lot of theologians believe that, that that word there refers to the fact that Satan has an army. And just like we, when we look at God's army in Scripture, we see that we have, we have angels that appara there's apparently some ranking in God's army. And a lot of people believe it's the same with Satan's army. He has his generals. He has his demons. He has his ranking of people out there. And our battle, Paul says in verse 12, is against authorities. And authorities are those demons that are invested with authority. Satan has, he has an army. He, he has his generals. He has his lieutenants. He has his colonels. He has his army that's out there. So again, I don't really like to talk about this guy, this angel. I really don't like to talk about it. But I think you need to know who we're up against. We are not up with some personification, some some. We are up against a creature, a very powerful creature, an angelic creature who has fallen, who, who know, and by the way, sin originated in Satan. Let me tell you something. He knows sin, and he knows how to work it, and he has his army, 
And he has his generals. And he is doing everything he can to fight against the church of God. Let me tell you how he does it. First of all, his tactics, if you look at the text, he works through the world's systems. If you look at verse 12, Paul says our battle literally is against the world powers of this darkness. What is this darkness? It is the darkness that is run by those rulers, the, those, the de- demons, Satan and his dominion. Again, Paul called Satan the god of this age. And he works through the world's power. And, and he wants to do everything he can to derail us. Have you ever noticed this? And, and I, I guess I'm on, I'm on Twitter, social media quite a bit. But have you ever noticed that there's some people that just can't accept the truth? You, you, you could go out there. I've, just, I've noticed this on Twitter. There are people out there you could say, the sky is blue. And they would say, it is not. It's green. You just think it's blue. I've noticed that. There, there are people that you could say, look, this is wrong. And they'll say, no, it's not wrong. And again, I just noticed that there's a lot of people that just can't seem to accept the truth. And Satan works. That's what he wants. He works through the world systems. Here's another thing he does. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. Here's what Paul said about him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Let me tell you something. Satan's goal is to blind unbelievers, to numb them to the truth. He does everything he can to blind people to the truth of the word of God. And let me, the only person, the way a person comes to know Christ is unless God does a work in their heart. And opens their heart because Satan blinds the minds of people. They just, ref- there's many people, they just refuse to see the truth. You say, Jesus is the only way. Look at his death, burial, and resurrection. They say, oh, it's a superstition. Really? We've got, we've got eyewitnesses in Scripture. Well, it's the Bible. Okay, we've got eyewitnesses here in Rome. We've got Tacitus, Pliny the Younger. We've got all these Roman historians and Jewish historians, Josephus, that wrote about Jesus. He's not a figure of man. Oh, yeah, he's just superstition. He's a myth. Really, he doesn't fit what you would call is a myth. It doesn't work that way. Well, the disciples made him up. Why would they make him up? They all died for it. What was the point of that? And yet you can keep hitting some people with the truth. They're just like, I don't get it. I don't see it. Satan blinds the minds of people. In fact, let me tell you, let me, let me read this. Here's what Paul said in 2 Timothy 3. And this is tough. But I think this is what we see today. It's always been around. But I think we see it even today, maybe more increasingly ways. But know this, difficult times will come in the last days. Now, we're living in the last days. Ever since Jesus resurrected and ascended to heaven, we've been in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of religion but denying its power. Avoid these people. Satan's goal is to convince us 
that good is evil and evil is good. That's his goal. He wants us to say, you know, oh, premarital sex is fine as long as you're having safe sex. That's what he wants to convince you of. Oh, getting drunk and wild parties, that's just great as long as you're on spring break. That's what he wants to convince you of. Hey, jealousy of your neighbor because you, you, you ought to be jealous of them because you deserve that too. That's what he wants you to believe. Hey, abortion's okay because, you know, you have the right to choose. It's your body. Let me just say, if you're a believer, it's not your body. It's God's body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is God's body. Gambling's good. Hey, it's okay to gamble. You need to earn extra cash. Think about all those people that don't have any clothes because daddy gambled it all away. Keep hoping for more and more and more and more. Hey, pornography's okay. You're not hurting anybody. It's just you. Hey, profanity's good. I mean, after all, you got to get your point across. That's how Satan works. That's how he works. Notice where he operates back in verse 12. He operates in the heavenly places. Satan operates in heavenly places. He operates in that sphere of the invisible. Now, again, I'm going to challenge you as believers to open your eyes and see what's going on around you. Satan is operating in, in that sphere of invisible. And remind, let me just remind you what Paul says. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's against Satan who's working behind all of this. And I, I want to challenge you this week. Just when you watch the news, when you go through life, open your eyes. You know, it's kind of like the movie The Matrix. I don't know if you've ever seen that way back in 99. At the very end, if you've seen the movie, I, I normally don't, R-rated movies not normally at all, but this one just has, it has profanity in it. That's the one thing I don't like about it. But the, the philosophy is so crazy. And if you remember in the movie at the end, uh, Neo, which is spelled one, he's the one. He's kind of the Messiah figure in the movie. And he kind of realizes at the end who he is. And suddenly his eyes are opened. And the premise of the movie is we all live in a computer-generated world. Has anybody, I'm giving away the spoiler. Hey, it's 1999. That was almost 20 years ago. So if you haven't seen it, it's not, it's not my fault at this point, okay? So, so <laughs> spoiler alert. So, so the, the point of it is, is your human body is actually in a, in a farm that machines have built, AI, Okay, and the machines have built, and they're using your body as a battery, basically. The, 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 the energy your body produces, and, and human bodies are plugged into this thing that's powering the machines, and what the machines have done is they have created a world in which your conscience lives in, and you think it's real, but it's not real. Okay, so, so you know, one of the classic things is Neo says, do you really think you're breathing air? You know, and things like that. And so you think you're living in the world. So finally, the whole movie goes through this whole thing, and there's two different stories going on, and it's, it's, it's really crazy. And at the end, though, if you remember it, Neo gets shot, and he dies. I'm really giving the plot away. But his body is on the ship, okay? And again, it, you'll just have to watch it. It's plugged into the Matrix. But his, the girl that falls in love with him, Trinity, gives him a kiss, and he wakes up in the fake world, but when he does, his eyes are open and he just sees ones and zeros everywhere. He sees it's all computer generated. And he sees the truth. And then all those enemies that were so bad, he can whip with one arm. He doesn't have to think about it. He sees it. He gets it. 
I guess is what I'm asking and challenging you to do. See it. See what Satan is doing. See what he's doing in the world. You have to be smart. You have to be a soldier. You have to see. You have to know how he thinks. You have to know how he operates. The reason that so many times as Christians we, 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 we live defeated lives is because we don't know what we're, we're, we're trying to fight in our own strength. Listen, you need to fight. Put on the full armor of God. We're going to get into that more in the next few weeks. We're going to pull that apart because you, this is the only way to fight when we're talking about this thing of sin. But again, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him a foothold. You need to know the Satan. You need to know about his tactics. Now, let me give you one other thing, and this is super scary. He not only works through the world systems, the political systems, and all those things that we see today, but I'm going to tell you, folks, he works through the religious systems. Satan works through the religious systems of the world. Notice in verse 12, he says, Our battle is against spiritual wickedness in high places. And many Bible scholars believe that is a reference to, again, the religious system. Here's what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 4. He says, Dear friends, he's talking to believers, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You know, George Barnard, that I told you earlier, he did a, a survey again several years ago, and he was asking how many Christians had a, what they call a biblical worldview. In other words, do, do, how many Christians view the world through Scripture? And, and here's how he defined it. Let me just define it, because everybody in this room has a worldview, okay? And, and so here, here's how he defined a biblical worldview. Six core beliefs. Accuracy of biblical teaching. Believe the Bible is the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sinless. Satan existed, exists. God is all-powerful and all present. Salvation is by grace alone, and we have a responsibility to tell people about Christ. He said that, he, just based on that kind of concept of a worldview, Satan is real, the Bible is the word of God, Jesus Christ died for our sins, and we have a, 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 to tell people. So basically, that's why he said, do you believe this? Of people who said they were born again, only 9%. Only 9%. And 7% of Protestants possessed a biblical world view. And it should come as no surprise that just 9% of born-again believers and 7% of Protestants have a world view based on an interview. It was, it, it, was, it was based on an interview of 601 pastors nationwide. And half of the nation's pastors, according to this saying, have a biblical worldview. Only half. Satan works through the religious system. Remember, Satan, you got to understand, he knows sin. He is extremely intelligent. He's not all intelligent, but he's extremely intelligent. And he, know, he slanders and he knows how to work it. He transforms himself into an angel of light, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He knows how to make evil look good. That's what he does. Satan knows, he uses doubt to get you to second guess. Think about the Garden of Eden. Here's the Eve. What does he say? Has God really said? Really? Do, do you understand, Eve, that he, he, he's trying to keep you down? If you would eat of this fruit, you'll be like God. That's how he works. He's very subtle. He plants those seeds. He tries to convince people he doesn't exist. 
And again, the majority of adults in 2007 don't believe he exists. He's just a symbol. Dr. Lloyd-Jones, famous pastor, said this, I am certain that one of the main causes of the ill state of the church today is the fact that the devil is being forgotten. All is attributed to us. We have all become so psychological in our attitude and thinking. We are all ignorant of this great objective fact, the existence of the devil, the adversary, the accuser, and his fiery darts. He is at work in the church. In fact, Jesus said this about the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Here's what he said in John 4, 8, verse 4. He says, you are of your father, the devil. I mean, these are the religious guys. And you want to carry out your father's desires. I mean, he's talking to the guys that went to the temple and prayed and wore the phylacteries and all those things. And here's how Jesus describes Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning and has not stood in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he tells a lie, he speaks on his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. I know some of you might be, come on, Jim. I mean, you know, we, you've gone too far. I mean, let, let's not get too hung up on this. Let me tell you something. Paul says, you better put on the full armor of God. So you can take your stand against his tactics. Because this guy works through the world system. This, this, this angel works through the religious system. This angel's goal is to slander and to destroy. He does that by planting doubt, about, doubt about God. He does that by you to even doubt whether he exists. He works through these things. You need to put on the full armor of God. So that you can stand... Not sit, but stand against the tactics of the devil. And again, that word armor refers to the former. We're going to break this down the next few weeks. Now, let me just put, put, note this real quick. The armor is God's. It's not your armor. Put on God's armor. All right, so that you can take a stand, not be knocked down against the tactics of the devil. This is not... I'm not trying to, you know, say, oh, my, uh, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. The great Anglican preacher John Stott said this, If we underestimate our spiritual enemy, we shall see no need for God's armor. We shall go into battle unarmed with no weapons but our own puny strength, and we shall quickly and ignominiously be defeated. The reason so many times we fall into sin is we don't take the battle seriously. We really don't. The reason so many times as believers we mess up our lives by, by falling into Satan's traps is we don't put on the armor. We don't take the battle seriously. Many times that we lose our testimonies because we don't take the battle seriously. Put on the armor of God. I, and I just want to look at it for just a second. This is really kind of the beginning of a springboard, and I'm super excited about what we're going to talk about because we're really going to nail this down and what we need to do. But I want to look at we end up today with this. This is why you must take up the full armor of God. Verse 13. So that you'll be able to resist in the evil day, having prepared everything to take your stand. Look, we have to be prepared. You and I have to be prepared. And this is the daily fight. And Paul talks about it. Here's why he says, and look at the, the verbs here, and we'll, we'll break this down more in the next few weeks. Stand with truth like a belt around your waist. What is the truth? There is a God. We're all sinners. Christ died for our sins. Stand with that truth. 
righteous like armor around your chest and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. And in every situation, take up the shield of faith and with it you'll be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray at all times with every prayer and request. Stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for the saints. So today, as we've kind of concluding this, and we've been talking about sin, remember, sin is real. Anything that falls short of God's holiness, we looked at a couple weeks ago, is sin. Rebellion against God's holiness. Satan is alive and well. And we are challenged by Paul to put on the armor. Satan works through the political system. He works through the religious system. He works through the world system. I'm going to challenge you this week to open your eyes. Look around you. When you watch those news reports, filter it through what God says. Open your eyes to what's going on. And I'm going to challenge you and I. We're going to work on this more. Put on that armor. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Look, you, you need to have time in the morning when you get into God's word and pray. Make some time to pray and get into God's word. Meditate on God's word day and night. When you hear things, what does God say about this? Put on the full armor of God.